They said getting started was the hardest part, but no one told you how hard it is to scale a custom service business. It's time for your team to step up, but your clients want you. Discover how to scale to seven figures and beyond by freeing up time and getting your team to run whole parts of the company so you can focus on scaling profits. This is the Hands-Off CEO with Mandy Ellefson. Hi, this is Mandy Ellefson with the Hands-Off CEO podcast. I have Philip Nickerson here with Aqua Production System. And um, Philip has a, a really fantastic story about how he has grown um, his company um, really from quite humble beginnings and um, has become a hands-off CEO. He has um, scaled it up into uh, seven figures, multiple seven figures, is it, Philip? Uh, yeah. multiple seven figures. Yeah. yeah. And, um, he's, he's, uh, he's done really well for himself and I wanted to share his story here because it's really powerful. It's really impact it, it. And, um, the impact that it's had on, um, you know, his family, but the community and how they're, 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 um, make, they're making an impact in the community and they're also, uh, making an impact in the world. And this is all coming from how he is, is, is running his consulting business. So, um, Philip, um, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mandy. Great to be here. Yeah. So uh, just a little background. Philip and I have worked together for a little while. There's been a number of stages that his company has gone through as he's grown. Um, <clears throat> Philip, why don't you tell us a little bit uh, about what your consulting company does? Yeah, we uh, design and build holding tanks for shellfish like lobster and oysters and uh, all the water treatment equipment that goes with that, uh, especially the heating and cooling systems. We, our, uh, special, our specialty is the temperature control of the systems. Yeah. And so, and, and, and just in, 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 um, in plain speak, Philip is an engineer, by the way. Um, <clears throat> and um, just, just for what, what that really means is what they do is they put these, these lobster tanks together that saves... Um, hundreds of thousands of dollars for each one of these, um, each one of these clients that you work with in, um, spoiled, um, lobster that would just die. And, and then also saving, saving energy and each equipment. Did I, did I, uh, did I represent that right, Philip? Yeah. One of the, the biggest industries for us is lobster and, uh, survival is, uh, one of the problems the industry has had in the past. So we've been able to eliminate a lot of that. Uh, especially survival in transit is now they're being shipped all over the world. Yeah. So, so what your systems allow them to do is actually uh, um, capture some of the very best product and then uh, actually move it overseas as, as far as China. Yeah. So our customer would be someone buying from a fisherman and then they have to put the lobster in a tank and purge them out, get them ready for shipment to their customer. And, uh, choose which ones are able to make it, which ones aren't. They can hold them in our tanks for up to six months and then ship them successfully overseas to market when the time is right. Prices vary up and down, so it allows them to buy at a lower price during the season and sell at higher prices later and also serve markets outside of the fishing season. Wow. So so then you're you're really solving an important problem in um, the fishing industry. But um, I guess what, what I want listeners to, to get from this is that Philip, your, your company is pretty custom, right? This is, 
very specific work that you do. And, um, I know when you were first came to work with us, it was very difficult for you to even find other people that could, that could be able to help you do this. Yeah, it's a pretty small, uh, world as far as any other companies that would do similar things. There's companies that do bits and pieces of it. I don't know of anyone else that does everything that we do. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, and so, so that really puts a challenge for, you know, a mechanical engineer, this is a six figure job, right? And how do you be able to, first of all, even find someone who's qualified to do that. And then on top of that, you know, six figure year salary, that's, that's, that's a pretty high overhead for the, for the, for the company. And then on top of that, you're like in a remote I, is a village the, the right way to say it <laughs> where you live in Nova Scotia? Uh, it's a pretty small town. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I imagine you don't have like dozens of, of, of engineers that have like the perfect level of uh, qualification to come join your company. Yeah. There's no, there's not too many close by. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, one of the things that you've so expertly done in your company is be able to solve that problem. And I remember this was, a couple of years back, but do you remember that conversation where we had, there was like this eureka moment where you were so sure you're going to have to hire the six figure, um, person with, uh, a mechanical engineer that you still have to train anyway. And there was like, there was this like aha moment where, where you could do something different. Tell me about that. Yeah. So we now have like a $15 an hour type person doing that, uh, that role. And, uh, so what it was was okay. We're put, we're gonna have to pump water from here to there and through multiple pieces of equipment. So what pipe and fittings do we need uh, to order? And uh, so there's a lot you need to know. You need to be familiar with all the equipment and so on, and how much flow has to go through each pipe, which is something we learn how to calculate an engineer as an engineer. <clears throat> But uh, we were able to standardize about 90% of that so that it's uh, there's essentially a spreadsheet that they go in and fill out how many of piece of equipment A, how many of equipment B, and create most of the list without any input from, uh, from an engineer or a technologist. So you've eliminated a six-figure sal- uh, the need for a six-figure salary, and yeah. you know, and 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 that's a big deal because I, I could because like not to mention just the cost savings, but I know that this is one of the things that allows you to be able to grow the company a lot faster because this is one of the bottleneck pieces, wasn't it? Yeah, it was something I would always procrastinate on because it, it took several hours of focus time. And I didn't enjoy doing it that much after the first one. So uh, I'd have to eventually get down and do it. And then uh, I, I didn't want to do it anymore. It was the other part of it. Right. Well, and, and I remember that this is, this is where you're at. You're about, um, I remember you're, you're about $600,000 a year when, when we first started working together. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that that was at the time that we solved this problem as well. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. so, and a lot of that is a lot of that is materials and pass through the company. So, um, really, like a company at that size, at capacity, 
but limited resources, limit, limited time from the CEO. So um, what I'd like listeners to really understand here is what, what Philip did is one of the things that made this successful was that, Philip, you were actually uh, willing to look at it a different way. And you, you saw it one way, but then when we had a conversation about it, you're like, oh, and your mindset was able to shift so quickly and let go of the way that you thought it had to look like. Yeah, it made a lot of sense to me that we can uh, break it down into smaller tasks and still get the outcome we need. Without, right, well, yeah. without what, sorry? Uh, without hiring someone that's got a lot of education and a high price tag with them. It doesn't need to be figured out every single time. So. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I think this is a good lesson to learn for um, a lot of companies that are especially in the six figure range. And you're, you're at this point where you're at capacity and it's tight. You just, there, there's, you're working like crazy hours. I think you were, were you like 80 hours a week or something when we first started working together? Yeah. Something in that range. <laughs> I, I wasn't counting. I think it might have been more than that when we actually calculated it because there was just something insane. Like, um, I think it was like something like 20 hours per week that we cut off your schedule just from the first session we did. Do yeah. you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just always working. <laughs> so, so then were you surprised at how fast that you were able to get relief and actually be able to focus on what would grow the company? Yeah, what uh, what I remember is I just would get the next step and do it, and eventually all the small steps added up to okay. Now I've got some breathing room to to think and do other things, and the uh, momentum just started building from there. Well, yeah, it really did build because you you went what from uh, the first year. How how much did you grow? Um. Uh, I forget if it was 3X or 4X, but we get up almost to 2 million, I think, the year after that from the 600,000 range for yeah. revenue. Well, and, and that's so impressive, that, that level of growth. And, um, you know, I, I want to showcase some characteristics that you have. And in our tribe, we're, we're always pointing to Philip as the guy that you want to follow on this because uh, Philip is is like an action taker, and um, he has this focus and um, and also humility about him. Um, but but there's like this decisiveness that, that you have, quality that you have, Philip, where um, you make a decision and you just go with it. You just go with it. You just go with it. So like, how was that developed for you? Because I think there's a lot of people listening and say, you know, I'd like to be like that, but you know what, I. I feel like I have to sit around and make, I, I feel like I need a few weeks to make that kind of decision. How do you be able to make those decisions so quickly and feel confident about them? Um, well, I, I pay you to help me with making the decision. <laughs> in, uh, in all seriousness, though, yeah, having a coach and a support group helps me to bounce something off of people and then make the decision. The people who've actually been there or or in similar spots. And a lot of what I learned too is just that there is no right or wrong decision. You just need to make a decision and move forward. Whether it's uh, the 
best one or it's 95% is good. It doesn't really matter. Just, if you're going to move forward, you got to do something uh, versus just procrastinating on it or waiting and waiting around for the right moment and the right thing. And then once I say I'm going to do something, I just, it's in me that I just, I'm going to do it. I just uh, don't change my mind at that point. Wow. That, that is really impactful right there. And um, I hope that listeners really understand what was just said here and um, how, how important it is to what I, what I'm hearing from you is you were coachable. You were willing to ask, ask for feedback from, from, um, you know, mastermind of other people who've already been there and from um, a mentor, someone who, someone who has seen this in in some different ways and you, you actually um, solicited the feedback. You were coachable. You listened, and then you immediately took action on it. Now, one thing I want I want to tell about Philip here. He, he's he's very humble. Um, you know, this this is he has a multiple seven figure company. You actually, have multiple companies, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. And he's a pretty humble guy, but he, he's he's also very intelligent. And he's filtering through this feedback, and then he's he's making his own decisions based on this that's aligned that is aligned with his own values. And um, I know you have a very very strong value system, and that's one of the things that I see is um, attributes to your success. And um, I know you've had some some real breakthroughs around this too, and that you you had. Why don't you share some of the the, the most recent breakthroughs you've had around the, the profit sharing and your team and and uh, the, the new causes that you're supporting with your business? I, I'd love to I'd love to share that. Sure. Uh, I guess up until recently, my mission was support my family and have the business make enough money to support us. And then once I got there, it I spent uh, I don't know maybe a year now trying to figure out, okay, well, what's next? Do I just stay where I'm at to achieve that goal? Or are we going to grow more? And uh, Mandy has kind of pushed me in the direction of, well, what's your goal for growing more? And so I spent uh, a lot of time considering that. Uh, And what came out of it is that we're really the economic engine of many rural communities now where we're supporting the economic engine of many rural communities in Canada. The companies that we work for are, are almost without exception in, in rural areas. My joke is if there's no cell phone reception, that's where our customers are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, there's very few jobs typically other than fishing. And uh, so our customers are typically hiring local people that, are from the area, have lived there all their life, and they want a nice paying job. <clears throat> and with the work that we do, they're able to extend those jobs from a short fishing season to sometimes all year and also pay them more because their systems are working properly. They're not losing money with uh, dead loss and mortality. And uh, typically, we'll see in that situation, they'll be coming back and the next year or two years down the road and expanding again and again and hiring more people. And so I really enjoy seeing that and, and hearing about it from my customers that they're expanding and the rural areas, they're taking care of this resource and 
profiting from it and developing and hiring more uh, local people as well. And so we've extended that now to supporting a, a charity called Fish for Hope that does similar things in uh, Congo where they teach uh, local people there how to farm tilapia and which provides them with food and jobs as uh, in an entrepreneurial way. Um, so we've just this year started to support, uh, essentially pay the wages of the, uh, there's two people in the Congo that are from there that are now going around there and teaching the locals how to do this, how to grow their own fish. Wow, that's incredible. So your company now, because you've expanded this, you because you've expanded your company and uh, you're now you're now supporting job creation and economic growth in um, these these rural parts of uh, Canada, of Eastern Canada. But um, you've also created the profit in your company that actually teaches people literally how to fish and and support their families in the Congo and like what what an incredible thing that is that you're doing yeah and i've been very happy with the response from the staff too they they really enjoy having that extra motivation that we're helping out to, in areas of the world that uh, can really benefit from it uh, and it helps motivate me too that okay now i need to make sure we're uh, the business is producing that profit that we can keep that commitment going to. So without this drive, without this, you know, you hit your, you hit your, your uh, place of supporting your family, supporting your family. Well, I know you've, you've now been able to take your wife out on this nice trip to Scotland and had weeks off and like totally living the hands off CEO lifestyle. I absolutely love it. But like that gets you to a certain point in your business. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's we're kind of turning the corner here from me doing stuff in the business all the time now to more working on the business and trying to learn how to let go a little bit and let other people, my staff that have themselves grown quite a bit to uh, take care of a lot of the day-to-day stuff. Well, yeah, and you know, just, just so we're knowing... Um, we're like three years into this and I, I wouldn't say that you're just starting to do that now. I think you've been doing this all the way along. Um, <laughs> but I, but I think what you're, what you're demonstrating here is that, you know, you started off $600,000 here, which like compared to some other services where they're, where they have where the, the real revenue of that might've been lower than that. If you look at, um, you know, the costs that we're going through, but, and now you've grown this to, um, I mean, are you comfortable sharing where you're at now and on, um, I know you're bringing in some seven-figure months. You did share that with me, but are you comfortable sharing? Uh, we did one seven-figure month, yeah. Uh, I guess last year was just under three. Mm-hmm. This year is probably going to be similar, but we'll see. Yeah, So, but but one of the things I really want to, to, to show, to point out here that Philip is doing right is that um, – he's found a deeper motivation. I remember there was like a really critical point where like there was a wall that was hit and there was these team breakdowns that were happening. I hope you don't mind me sharing this. You said, you said it, everything was fair game. So I'm going yeah, there, that's fine. <laughs> but there was, there were these team breakdowns around it. And, um, 
that like they looked like they were just team breakdowns and it looks like they were one thing, but really like I could see at the core of this, um, that it was something, it was, it was something deeper. And I am like, I really feel like there's like this, this missing the vision. And this is where there was a real turning point. I remember. And, and I think this was where there was such a big shift where, um, it moved away from this being about Philip supporting his family to this being about this mission that we're, that we're doing. There was this, this critical turning point. So how has the team changed since that point? Uh, I would say they've, they've been more involved in like taking ownership of what they're doing. If that makes sense. Uh, are they happier? Are they happier? Yeah. I think they're happier. <laughs> That's the that one. Oh, <laughs> they were they were quite happy when we started profit sharing this year. <laughs> yeah, one staff say that he had a a job offer for significantly more than I was paying him, and he decided to stay with us uh, because he's seeing that there's room to grow in this company and. He enjoys the work that we do compared to the other position would have been the same thing day in and day out and uh, would have been closer to home for him. But uh, he decided he was going to stay with us. That was before the profit sharing. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and this, this is actually a really key point to, for, um, for us to, to talk about, actually, because like what, what really creates, um, the loyalty with employees and it, it's like this, this mission that you, that you are, are really pushing forward here and you're leading pushing forward is probably not the right word leading the mission, this mission that you're leading and that you are, you have this, this culture in your, in your company. Tell me more about why do you think that he cares more about being with your company than this higher level paying job? This was even before the profit sharing. Um, well, the things you mentioned was that there's a lot of variety in the work. There's some travel that he does, and we get to uh, we get to see a lot of different customers and interact personally with them and see the changes that were affecting for them. Um, another thing that pops to mind is during our annual meeting, it was. Uh, quite inspiring for me to hear what my team members were saying about their visions for the future of the company. And just, I never even realized that they were considering what the future of the company was other than just showing up to work and doing the work. But it was uh, kind of eye-opening to me to see that they were taking ownership to that level of planning out the future and seeing in their mind, what we could achieve. Well, and you know, this doesn't happen on its own, does it? This is something that's led. And why your team are showing up this way is because you're leading them this way. And I would uh, go to say that this employee, one of the reasons why he is wanting, he is, he's committed to continue working for you in addition to it being interesting work and all of, and, and all of that. But you know, people quit bosses. They don't actually quit jobs. They quit bosses. And you're someone that they respect. You're, you are a leader who has integrity 
and um, when 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 you are leading a company from that perspective, and when when you have a cause, this is what creates this engagement with the team, so that they're going to want to do their best, even when things are stressful, even when um, you're hitting hitting capacity, and maybe there's just there's just not enough to, resources to go around. It's pretty limited, and um, that's one of the things that I'm seeing with your team. Why you're so 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 successful is because the leadership that you have, and um, and this is something that I've seen you grow. I've seen you grow tremendously as a leader. And how do you see that yourself growing as a leader has impacted you know you going from um, six hundred thousand to three million? Um, yeah, it's been a big part of it. Uh, just things like showing up with more energy. And this is something that you've been telling me to do for quite a while. (laughs) So I have to remind myself to do that when I show up in the office, because my natural inclination is to sneak into my office and just put my head down and work all day. So now I try to show up with energy and build rapport with everybody each day. And it it does make a big difference. just in the whole energy in the office. Well, you know what? Yeah. And, and, and that's actually, that's actually something worth talking about because you're definitely an introverted person, Philip, right? Um, and you know, how, how do you see it different growing a company as an introverted person? Is there something different about that? Like, is your approach different than maybe someone who is like this really like fast talking charismatic leader? Um, I would say personally, I constantly have to remind myself to show up and the way I want everyone else to show up, um, beyond just showing up and working hard. Uh, and as we've been talking about, like people don't quit jobs, they quit bosses. So taking that to heart and build the report. Uh, the rapport with people because it really helps when there's times if I have to ask them to do extra stuff or do the job that nobody wants to do. It really helps to have that rapport. Uh, I'm not sure what else to say on that one. Well, and and I guess what I would call you is a quietly charismatic leader. Um, And and you have found a way that works really well for you and for your personality and for, um, you for your values to really show up powerfully as leader. And, um, and and would you agree with that? Would you feel like, like you growing as a leader has, um, has been aligned with your personality or do you feel like it's had, you've had to like fight against that? Like, tell me more about that. Um, yeah, I try to stick true to my personality. I mean, uh, as an introvert, I don't like want to, maybe spend all day with someone and then go out in the evening with them and talk more and more about whatever. But when it comes to things that I'm passionate about, I have stuff to say about that. (laughs) So (laughs) I've, I guess I kind of started my company by hearing, okay, the way to be an expert is just to be an expert and present yourself that way. And so I've written many articles for industry publications and a lot of them are on my website and that really laid a good foundation for then going out and speaking at conferences and uh, not having to talk people into trusting me because it's all out there now. 
I've what I believe is all written out. It's on my website. I've presented it. It's not something that I'm just making up uh, because it's what you what what a customer wants to hear, for example. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point to make too, because what you've done is um, really positioned yourself as the leader and the authority in the market, and um, you have a very cutting edge um, technology that you're offering. And being able to articulate that is is really powerful. Yeah, and so adopting the same sort of principle with the in as a leader of the company is that's the position I'm in. I just have to put the hat on and do it. Love it. All right. So you were at a point, um, you know, when you were earlier on in this journey, um, you had like you were at a point where you were working a crazy amount of hours. You couldn't keep up. There was no room to grow in the company um, because the company was very much dependent on you. You still had, you had staff. So it wasn't like it was, you was like a solo business or anything, but the business was you. So if you, if, if you were for, for listeners who are in that situation right now, where the business is really very dependent on them and it's, it's difficult to grow without working more and more hours to do it. Like, what advice would you have for them? That uh, you just have to every day do something that's working on your business instead of in it. And over time that adds up. So it's not like tomorrow you can be completely hands off, but if you don't start today, it's just going to push everything down the road and you may never get there. And so get a mentor or support group or someone you can talk to about making decisions on how your business is going to, is going to look and start putting the building blocks in place. So I kind of have a philosophy of there's so many things we can fill our day with and most of them are uh, just temporal and you do them and it doesn't really might accomplish something, but it doesn't really build anything. And then there's eternal things or lasting things that you can maybe do lay one brick every day to build something over time. Uh, So that's kind of my philosophy at the business is that we spend time every day working on the business. And some days, maybe it's 15 minutes. Some days, maybe it's, two hours or more, but at least something was done that we can build on the next day and keep building. I think that that is really profound what you just shared, Philip. And what, what I think is also really cool about it is that you're talking about one brick at a time, but yet you've, you've created quite rapid growth out of this. And from someone just listening to that, they might think, oh, well, slow and steady growth. But you have, you have actually created rapid growth out of laying one brick at a time. Yep. I, I love that. So um, do you have any, any last thoughts that you, you want to share with um, other CEOs that might be at an earlier stage than, than you? And, and um, any, last, any last words of advice for them? Uh, I would just stick to the same thing of one brick per day and with a support group or a mentor that 
can help you know which brick to target. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I love that. Thank you so much for, um, for being on the show, Philip. I really appreciate this. Um, and I, I just want to acknowledge you for the, the focus and the dedication that you have, uh, you have been laying one brick at a time and, um, you are, are such a, a great mentor for others to really look up to and to, and to see how being decisive and really putting first things first and, um, and also growing your business, building your business from this, this place of service and, um, from this place of meaning and significance. And, and you are such a great role model for that. So thank you for that. Thank you for sharing your story and, you know, congratulations for on, on all your success. Thank you. Yeah. And, and where can people, where can people reach out, reach you if uh, they want to learn more about what you do? Uh, uh, my website's the best place. It's aquaproduction.ca. No S on the production. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for that, Philip. And, uh, thanks again for being on the show. All right. Thanks, Mandy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hands-Off CEO with Mandy Ellefson. If you want to work less and make more, make sure you subscribe and get a new episode every week and help spread the word by leaving a review.